Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. Thank you, Emily, for uh, setting the bar nice and high for me. There, there we go. There we go. Better be good. Perfect. Um, thank you for welcoming the new people. If you're new here, we, thanks for coming. If you're old hat and you've been here a million times, thanks for coming back. Um, it's always good to have you with us. Um, I do want to stop before we move any further, and today is a sad day because we have two of our, some of our favorite people, um, Jason Bell. And, and family are moving to Nanaimo. Jason's been doing sound for us uh, very regularly ever since we launched. Uh, I can't imagine, Jason, how we would have been able to pull off the business center days without you. Um, you've been such a blessing. And, and Toye, are you here today, Toye? Where are you, Toye? Now, if you're in the bathroom right now, awkward times for you. <laughs> here he comes. Okay, I, I don't want to really do this, but I totally want to do this. Can I invite Jason and Toye to come up front? I want to pray for you guys. And, and so, Toye just got married on July 2nd, and, uh, and he's pursuing love, and unfortunately, his wife lives in Vancouver. And so, I tried everything I could when I married him to convince him to stay, but um, it was not a condition of his marriage, and now he is leaving us, and that is great. <laughs> And uh, Jason, and Carly, why don't you come on over too? Yeah, come on over. Good try. Good try. Good try. This is Jason's wife. These guys aren't married. These guys are married. These guys are married. These guys are moving to Nanaimo. This guy's moving to Vancouver. Toye, you may not have ever seen Toye, but he's been doing the media back there. So you've seen his handiwork on here many, many times. But without you, Toye, I don't know where we would be. So, so let's uh, give a round of applause for both these guys. And uh, come a little closer because I'm not quite long enough. And that's good enough. Yep, that's good. And we're going to pray. Can we pray for these guys? These guys have been a tremendous blessing to this house. And I'm just so thankful for both of you and, and Carly and Caitlin and your whole family. Jesus, thank you. God, we thank you for what you're doing in both these two families' lives. God, we thank you that you're real, and we thank you that you've been using them to make an impact um, ever since they've been here in this church. And so, Father, we just honor that, and we honor them, God, today. And I just thank you for them and their generosity and their kindness and just their time spent here. The kingdom of God is better because of these two people. And so, Father, I pray that you would bless them in this next journey, in this next season of their lives. I pray that it would be the most fruitful, fun-filled, exciting time of their lives. Bless their family. Bless this new marriage. God, may you just continue to shine in them and through them. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 Let's hear it for these guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. 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 And, uh, and we, we send you with blessings. I, I always want to lead like this. And uh, I realize that that people are going to come and people are going to go, and, it, and it's sad, um, but it's part of, part of the journey, and we're glad to have had the time we had with you, and we're happy to have the time we have with you all. It's good. God is moving. Uh, last week, we had Andrea come, and she shared her testimony last week. If you weren't here last week, last week was something to be remembered. Um, we, we skipped the sermon. It, originally, it was going to be share the testimony and then share a sermon on sharing your testimony, and uh, 
the testimony was too powerful, and we couldn't, we couldn't do that. And so instead, we went to plan B, and we shared the testimony, and then we gave an opportunity to respond. And many of you came up um, to respond for, for, for healing, for prayers, and uh, if, if God touched you in some sort of way, come tell me, email me, talk to me. We want to we let people know, because when, people, when God moves, it just stirs other people's faith. And, and so we are, we are very thankful for that. And so... Last week, Andrea shared her story. And a huge piece of what we do as Christians is actually sharing our story. I, I was reading through the, uh, the Canadian census, so riveting. Um, but one of the things it talked about is it talked about the West Shore. And it classified the West Shore as Colwood, Langford, Highlands, uh, Souk, and Machosen. It didn't put View Royal in there, and it didn't put East Souk in there, but I consider them family for sure. But what was fascinating about, even though it was just those five, not the seven, said that there's 88,000 people who now live in the West Shore, which is quite remarkable. And when I think about who we are as a church, when I pray for us as a church, I don't just pray for the people in this room. What I find myself doing oftentimes is praying for the 88,000 people who have yet to find faith in Jesus. Now, we're not the only church in town, and so, so we're teaming up with all the churches. We were, my prayers is always that God, you would move in all the churches. But here, I get to be the pastor of this one, so God, move in this one too, please. Come on, be great. It'd be great. Um, what I've come to realize about when it comes to sharing our faith, which I know, I know some of you are like, ugh, gosh, I don't want to share my faith. I, I don't want to actually share my testimony. Uh, if we're, we're going through Acts, and that's what we're going through right now is the books, book of Acts. And, and in Acts, in Acts chapter 16, we do have the story of Lydia's conversion. And I always like um, verse 14 because it reminds us of how it's done. It says these words. It says, one of them was Lydia from um, Thyteria, someplace, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. And this is what it says. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. And so it speaks to this idea that sometimes we need to actually share our faith, share our testimony. What is your testimony, you ask? Oh, great question. Thanks for asking. The best way to describe your testimony is the story of how you became a Christian or the story of something, that, uh, of something that God has done in your life. Um, so you can testify about this is how I became a Christian, or you can testify this is how God um, provided for me in my marriage, or this is how God provided for me in my work, or, or, or whatever. But it doesn't just stop there. An effective testimony doesn't just talk about you. It talks about Jesus in you but also kind of connects to the other person. So, so God did this in me, and God can also do this in you. If God could save me, God could save you. If God could heal me, God could heal you. If God could work in my life, God could work in your life. If God can restore my marriage, God can restore your marriage. If God can set me free from addiction, God can set you free from addiction. That is how it works. That's how the, the, the story of Christianity spreads. That's how the world gets to see that, that, that Jesus is, in fact, real. Because I'm going to be honest with you, and we know this intuitively, but we may not actually know this in practice. People aren't attracted to Christianity because of the way a person believes. People are attracted to Christianity because of the way a person lives. 
You see, your beliefs are important. And your beliefs should impact and, 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 and build up what you, like the way that you live. But it doesn't always work like that. And that is why Christianity at times, we get labeled as hypocrites. And that is why the church gets labeled as, as insensitive or irrelevant or obsolete in culture. Because what happens is people have heard us share about our beliefs, but they fail to often see how a Christian life has been transformed in the day-to-day. We put such a heavy emphasis on belief, which is important, but if you don't actually live it out, it doesn't matter. I can believe a parachute will save my life if I jump out of an airplane. If I don't put a parachute on and I just jump out of the airplane, my belief in said parachute is useless. Like you need to apply it to your life. You need to put it on. You need to wear it. You need to use it. That's how it works. So Christianity, we can all say that we're a Christian, but unless we live it out in our day-to-day life, we're just blowing hot air. Like there's got to be this, dis- or not, not a disconnect, the opposite. There's got to be a connection between the way that we believe, the things that we say, but actually the way that we live. And so what I want to do today is I want to actually look at Paul's story. And I want to look at this, the way that he shared his testimony beyond just using words. Because I think we get what a testimony is. This is what Jesus did in my life. Jesus is great. This is awesome. He can do that in you too. But how do you share your testimony beyond just the words that you say? Like, at the end of the day, we're all preachers. We all walk around. I just left a New News Bay camp. I was speaking to a bunch of teenagers for the last whole entire week. And one of the things I tried so hard to get inside of their heads is that if you're a Christian, whether you like it or not, you have a giant banner hanging behind you everywhere that you go that says, I represent Jesus. And I represent Christianity. Watch me and the way that I live my life, and this is going to preach to you and communicate to you what it looks like to be a Christian. See, whether we like it or not, this is true for all of us. People watch you. Sounds creepy. They they monitor the way that you react to certain situations. Andrea, as, as, as powerful as it was that you shared that you were healed from cancer, which is so amazing, praise the Lord. But the piece that spoke to me the most through your entire testimony was how even in the middle of the storm, you praised Jesus. Even in the middle of the worst news a woman could possibly get, you, 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 you stayed the course. And people around you saw that, and they watched that. They watched you. Sometimes the miracle isn't actually the healing itself. Sometimes the miracle is actually the way the person responds through the storm. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to break some hard news to you. The ultimate statistic is one out of one people die. It's going to happen to all of us. At some point along the road, even Lazarus was, rose from the dead. Lazarus is not alive anymore. Every, every person who was Jesus, that Jesus rose from the dead eventually died too. Because there's more to life than what we experience in the here and the now. There's more to life than what we experience in our Lord willing 80 years on this planet. So 
With that said, how do we, how do we model for people Christianity? Is that Sunil and Monica? Sunil and Monica, they just became Canadian citizens. Let's hear it for them. Congratulations, you guys. I, I didn't get to see you earlier, and I really wanted to make sure I saw you and, and, and recognize that. Good job. That's a lot of work, and I'm so happy for you. That's really great. And so in a smaller church, you can do that. So like it or not, I'm going to call you out if I feel, feel, feel it. Right? If, I, if I feel it, I'm just going to call you out. There we go. Let's jump into the Bible together. So one day, as we're going down to a place of prayer, this is Paul and Silas. One day, as they were just on their way to church, one day as they were going about their regular everyday routines, it wasn't that they woke up that particular day and said, you know what, today, let's be super Christians. Today, we shall be evangelists. Today, we shall live differently in such a way that people are drawn to our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. That's not how this goes. One day, as they were just going about their normal business, they're going to the place of prayer. It says, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God. And they have come to tell you how to be saved. And the whole time she walked around them mocking them. These men are servants of the Most High God. They're going to tell you how to be saved. <laughs> These men, they're more servants of the Most High God. And they're going to tell you how to be saved. <laughs> and walked around mocking them everywhere that she went. This went on day after day after day. Until Paul got so exasperated that he turned to her and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. I love that his, most, his motivation there was exasperation. <laughs> he was so annoyed by this person that was driving him crazy that he figured to himself, you know what, let's just cast the demon out. This will be a lot easier. And we can get on to with our business. Be much quieter. Could be a parenting lesson for all of us. Just kidding. Just kidding. But maybe. Verse 19. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas, dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city was in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped, beaten with wooden rods. And then they were very, very severely beaten. And then they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon, dungeon clamped their feet in the stocks. That was a pretty bad day for those guys. They, it started off exasperated. That's it. Demon, come out of her. They, this happens. Her owners get angry. What, what am I saying? <laughs> they, they rise uh, a rebellion against these two guys, and all of a sudden they get thrown into jail. For being a Christian, they get beaten up, thrown in the stocks, thrown deep in there, and that's a pretty bad day. <laughs> pretty bad day for anybody. I got a speeding ticket once. This is way worse than a speeding ticket. <laughs> this is bad. This is worse than just hitting somebody, Andrea. Like, like, like they, are, they are in jail, and they are low. 
What strikes me about their story, and this is where I want to start speaking from, it's important that we have the context for how they got there. They're not a couple of murderers. They're a couple of Christians. And this is what it says in verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Now, if we were just blasting through these scripture verses, trying to finish it off so we can knock it off on our, on our discipleship journey, saying, oh, I read, I read Acts chapter 16, we might miss this piece. But what is said here is actually extraordinarily profound. In the middle of their worst day ever, they're not in the middle of the prison griping. They're in the middle of the prison worshiping, praising God, singing hymns, and praying. And it says in a very, very subtle way, the other prisoners were listening. What this tells me is something profound. Your testimony is communicated by the way that you worship. You see, regardless of what it is that you're going through and what it is that you're facing, when you have the ability to worship in the middle of the storm, in the middle of a prison, in the middle of the worst day ever, it impacts the people who are watching you. Now, we're, 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 we're funny. We're a funny, funny bunch, all of us. Because oftentimes, I'm just like you. Sometimes the worship band will play a song, and I just want to stab myself in the face with a fork. Let's be real. Sometimes the music, the songs, they may, you may not like the song. Sometimes the music may come up, Josh, I'm sorry, but sometimes this happens where we come to church and we're like, whoa, 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 I don't like this kind of music. I don't, I mean, in fact, I don't like it so much I'm not even going to worship. You know, I'm going I'm to make a stand. Jesus, watch how down my hands are. I do not appreciate this terrible music. And, and we just stand there all frustrated. Sometimes we, uh, Shandy and I, we love each other very much, but sometimes we have prayer meetings in the van on the way to church. <laughs> and those prayer meetings aren't very Pentecostal. <laughs> they, they, they are, they, it takes everything from her wanting to not lay her hands on me in prayer with fists. And, and, and so, and sometimes, if we're going to be honest, sometimes we come to church and we just had an argument with our spouse and we walk in and everyone's like, hey, welcome to church. How are you doing? You're like, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Right? And then it comes to worship time and, and we don't want to worship. Right? Sometimes it's we, we're trying to wrestle our kids in. And so you do everything you can. Parents, I feel for you. We got four of these little, I almost called them demons. That is not what I was going to say. They are, they are a blessing from the Lord Most High, not demons. Sometimes, though, when you try to get to church, when our kids were little, like, that was hard to get to church on time with the young ones. And you get to church, and you're just like, wow, I'm surprised you're even wearing shoes by the time you get in here. And you get to worship. It's like, you know, I, don't, I don't know if I want to worship today. I say that to say, that doesn't make you a bad Christian. This makes you human. And sometimes we just don't want to worship. I get it, okay? But our testimony is communicated by the way that we worship. And that is a very fascinating concept. Your ability just to come and engage on a Sunday morning isn't just for you. It's act it actually impacts the other people around you in the room. Worship is, is, is communal. Worship impacts, um, impacts everybody. And, and so when you, when you, during worship, I'm not saying everybody has to be super charismatic in how they worship. But I am saying I would encourage you to engage while you worship. 
And just a little practical, a little piece. This is something I do sometimes on those days where I don't really want to be there in that moment. First of all, if I can, I try and just quiet my heart and remind myself who God is in my life. Trying to imagine myself, where would I be if it weren't for Jesus? Sometimes what I'll do actually is I'll imagine somebody beside me who I know doesn't know the Lord. And I'll picture, picture just standing there, worshiping with their, them with their hands up, worshiping God, and just, just using that as motivation. Like, yeah, wow, Lord, I just believe that. In Jesus' name, that one day that'll happen too. And, and that helps me to be able to, to worship the Lord. And I just want to encourage you, as a church, our testimony is communicated by the way that we worship in good times and the hard times. Suddenly, though, the story moves on. Suddenly, there's this massive earthquake. What a coincidence. Suddenly, there's this massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Your testimony is communicated by the way that you handle unpredictable circumstances. I love this moment of the story. Because here's Paul and Silas, and they're praying, and they're worshiping, and they're singing hymns. And all of a sudden, in the middle of their hymn, and all the walls start to shake, and all the, the doors start to open. And for some reason, all the chains start to blow, blow off their hands. And they are all of a sudden, in that moment, free. And not just them, but every other prisoner in that space has now been set free. What do you do in that moment? Because in that moment, it would have been really easy just to hightail it out of there. <laughs> like, I'm free! <laughs> See you later, suckers! See you later, jailer! Remember when you punched me in the face? Catch my air! I'm out of here! And he just run. But he stayed there. That's a really fascinating thought. He could have left, but he didn't. Because he recognized that there was some greater thing going on in that particular moment. That maybe, just maybe, that freak, random, totally, totally coincidental earthquake, maybe there was something bigger going on. So in the middle of that moment, he stopped and he waited. And oftentimes, us in life, back to that storm analogy, oftentimes what we do when we face a storm, and we know that Jesus is in our boat, our intuitive first, first course prayer that we end up praying is God take the storm away. But there's something to be said about God, instead of taking the storm away, bring me peace in the storm. Help me to see this storm from your perspective. Help me to see everything else that's going on. Help me to slow down before I react. Because the way that I, I practice my faith in this moment is actually going to speak life, going to speak volumes to those who are around me who are watching. It's going, to, it's going to show my children what being a Christian looks like. It's going to show my, my, my spouse what being a Christian looks like. It's going to model to my family, to model to my friends, model to my coworkers what does it look like to actually be a Christian. Because our world wants to believe in a real God. Just oftentimes they haven't had the opportunity to see that God is actually in fact there. So we actually have a role in communicating that whole process. It continues. The jailer wakes up. Says he woke up. 
to see that the prison doors were wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted, stop! Don't do it! Don't kill yourself! We are all here! And this is a really powerful piece of the story. Because your testimony is also communicated by the way that you live out your faith when nobody is watching, when nobody can see you. You see, it would have been totally understandable, maybe not very kind, but completely understandable if Paul, instead of waiting and shouting out, if Paul would have just pretended he didn't see anything, the jailer kills himself, and now everybody leaves. He wouldn't have been guilty. He didn't do it. He didn't say anything. Like, like, like it, wasn't, it wasn't technically on him. Like, this was the jailer's decision. He, he could have just pretended he didn't hear him, and he could have went about his own business, and he could have walked right out of that prison. But he didn't do that. Instead, he, he made it inconvenient for, for every single prisoner in that entire place. And he shouts out, stop! Don't do it! What are you doing? No, 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 no. We're all here. Now, that would have been really, really hard to do. Because it was only Paul and Silas who were in there for being Christians. There's murderers in there. There's, there's thieves in there. All sorts of exciting people. It's a prison. And they're not all going to be sharing the same feelings. Hey, Paul, good idea. Great one. We'll all stay in the jail, even though all the doors are open, we don't have locks on. Thanks, bro. Good idea. But Paul, he, he stepped out and did what nobody else was willing to do. He stepped out and spoke up for the man who didn't have a voice. He stepped up and spoke out to defend the person that put him into the jail. When it comes to Christianity, Jesus says this so many times. He talks about loving your enemies. Our world needs to see Christians who actually do that. We're really good at being opinionated on Facebook. We're not as good at modeling Jesus to those who think differently than we do. So here's this powerful moment where Paul's like, no, don't do it. We're all here. And he takes a risk, and he sticks his neck out, all for the hopes of helping one person. That's what Christianity is all about. That's what preaches louder than, than, a, than, a, than a testimony, like, 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 or just a little story. Like that, like that, that's real. He continues. The jailer, he, he calls for the lights. And, 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 and then he, he ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He, he, he heard their prayers. He knew why they were in there. He knew why they arrested him. He's the one who locked their feet up in the stocks. He, he was fully aware of the scenario. He heard their annoying hymns that they were singing. He heard their joyous songs. He heard the contradictions. He's like, this is prison. Why on earth are you guys praying and singing? Like, like God doesn't care about you. God isn't real. See, God's not real. That's why you're in jail. He heard their songs, their praise, their hymns, their prayers. 
then Paul, of all the people in the jail, shows love to him. As soon as he heard Paul's voice, he came running, running down. You got to be kidding me. And it says these words. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? See, your testimony is communicated by the way that you respond to seekers. And there's going to be people in your life who, who see the fact that you live differently. And it's easy to downplay the fact that we go to church, because sometimes we get embarrassed by it. We're like, oh, I was at church on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, on Sunday, I was at Belmont High School. That's all I was doing. I was just at Belmont. That's it. Just at, I was out of high school. Whatever, whatever, whatever. But Paul, like, like, seekers are watching you. And you can't share your testimony only by the way that you act. Because then you just look cool. There's this element where you actually eventually need to get to this place where you, where you tell somebody who Jesus is. You tell somebody how it is that you found yourself in the place that you now find yourself. You explain to somebody to the best of your ability, as best as you can, why it is that you see the world differently than they see the world. To, to the best of your ability. This is, this is who I think Jesus is. At least this is what Jesus has done in my life. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to go to Bible school to know that. Just share with people, why is it that you come to church? Why is it, what is it that God's done in your life? Share that piece of the story. They reply back. Jailer, listen. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Along with everyone in your household. They're like, the gospel is so good. Jesus is so good that it's not just, he's not, God doesn't just apply to you and he's not just gonna impact your life, but if you surrender your life to Jesus and you live out your faith, it's gonna impact your wife, it's gonna impact your kids, it's gonna impact your nephews, it's gonna impact your home. Like Jesus has the ability to transform everybody, you and your entire household. And then they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his house. Your testimony is communicated by the way you share the word of God. It is important for us as Christians to read the Bible. It can't, like, if the only place you read the Bible is from me on a Sunday morning, you got some room to grow in, in the Bible reading department. Because this book wasn't written so that I could interpret it for you. This book was actually written for you to be able to interpret for yourself, for you to be able to get into it. God wants to lead you in through this book. God wants to teach you to hear his voice through this book. He wants to teach you how to be a husband or a wife through this book. He wants to teach you how to be a, uh, 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 just wants to teach you, <laughs> show you, model for you what it looks like to, to live, live as Christ. You can do it. And this book shows you how. And when people want to come to know Jesus, it's important that we're able to say to them, look, there's actually a book that, 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 that is for you. And if you're, you're new to the church here, if you're new to the faith, we've got some things for you. After the service, we always have the next steps over here. We have some Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you one. We also have these little books here. They're called New Believer's Guides. 
And these are just helpful little, little resources that we put together as, put together as a church that teaches you how to read the Bible. Because let's be honest, the first time you grab one of these things, it's pretty intimidating. Some of you are not readers. And the very idea of reading the Bible, you're like, oh, gosh, can I just watch the movie? Well, maybe. You can watch, you can watch The Chosen, but that's only going to give you some ideas, right? Uh, get an audio book, audio Bible. I listen to the Bible all the time, and, and that, that's helpful. But uh, get into the book, okay? We're almost done, promise. It continues. Verse 33. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. And then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. See, one of the best ways we can share our testimony is actually with those who help us. See, I love this point where the jailer is now washing their wounds. And they have this opportunity to model Christ as they are humbly receiving care from somebody else. It's, it's actually intimidating to, to witness to somebody who cares for you. Some of you, like, it's, like, one of the hardest people to tell that I was a Christian, if I'm going to be super honest with you, is my parents. I, I, I really struggled with it. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if, it, I, I think it's just because we were so close. And I always saw myself as, as the kid. And to be able to like then come back to them with, with this knowledge that they didn't teach me, but that I learned somewhere else, and to be able to communicate that back to them was so hard. But God, God doesn't care about that. Like, like he wants to use you to, re, to, to speak to all the people who are around you. Could be your boss. Could be... Um, could be uh, just somebody in authority over you, somebody who's been caring for you. And I know intuitively it's harder to do that, but there's still a space and a place to be able to communicate up the chain line, not just down the chain line, right? Verse 14, he brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And then he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. My favorite piece of that particular sentence is just how practical that is. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. Then he and his entire family rejoiced. There's something to be said about hospitality. There's something to be said about, about connection, about welcoming other people into your world, about allowing people to see the, the real you inside your walls. And in those private moments, we can see God do some of the most powerful things. And we, 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 we preach our testimony just by the way that we care for our kids or the way that we get somebody a glass of water or the way that we make a steak on the barbecue. There's ways that we can practically preach the gospel that are perhaps not intuitive, but, but so, so powerful. Uh, Ryan, why don't you come on up? We're going to close with this. I, I have shared this many times. I, I've shared it in the business center. I've shared it downtown at the campus. I share this at almost every camp that I ever speak at. When I was five years old, I was walking in Nanaimo, Mafeo Sutton Park, and this random person came up to me and gave me this little book. And he said, Jesus loves you. And he walked away. I remember saying to my dad, I'm like, Dad, what is this thing? I could, I could barely read. And my dad's like, oh, that's just, that's just from one of those religious people. Like, like don't worry about that. And, and so I remember we threw it out. It was a track that he gave me. But I never forgot 
that old man's face as he walked up to me and said, Jesus loves you. And I'll never forget that moment. Later on, I was a little bit older and I met this girl named Michelle Ashby. And she invited me to youth group one time when I was in grade seven. And uh, I just went there for the fun. I just went there because they had pizza and dodgeball. That's really all I did. And, uh, but I'll never forget it. I went there and when I went there, I met this guy named John Kingma. John Kingma, he was the youth leader at the time. And, and for the first time, I saw that, whoa, Christians can be kind of cool. Like, like this, is, this is sweet. Like, like, this John guy seems really nice. And then I met Dave Wood. And Dave Wood was the youth pastor. And, uh, and I remember, wow, like that guy legitimately looks like he cares about people. And he's fun. And I was like, wow, that, that's, that's powerful. I didn't become a Christian. I just, just noticed that about them. Michelle invited me one more time uh, to another youth group night. So it was a Bible study. She tricked me. And so, so we got there. I was like, Bible study? Ugh, why would I read a Bible? And, and so her and her friends, they went out, outside, out back behind the church and smoking cigarettes. And I was like, that sounds way better than learning about the Bible. Let's go. And so I was out there with them. And then this older guy named Bob Middleton came out. I was like, oh, no, we're going to get it now. And he just had this love in his eyes, this compassion. I said, you kids, kids, what, what, why are you out here? Like, there's a Bible study inside. Like, you guys, you guys are in the wrong spot, sillies. Like, come on in. And he welcomed us back in. And he surprised the pants off me. I was then invited to go on this Sunday school bus to Sunday school. And so I went on this Sunday school bus. And there was this bus driver named John Tatyko. And he too, he would always greet me with a smile. I'm like, wow, welcome, welcome. Come on the bus. You ready for church? Come on the bus. And I was like, okay, let's go to church. And we went with him. And a small, I had a Sunday school teacher, Jason Rampanen, up there, stud. And uh, he wasn't a stud back then, he was a dud, but now he's a stud. <laughs> this is pre, pre super beard, pre the beard. And uh, I went a couple times. Never became a Christian. Thought he was kind of cool, but whatever. Two years later, after I stopped going, I get this random phone call. And he was like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but my name's Jason. I'm the Sunday school teacher from the church. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember you. He's like, do you want to go play some uh, mini golf, grab a burger or something? And I was like, sure. So we went and played mini golf and grabbed a burger. And the whole time, I assumed he was going to be like, where have you been? Like, why didn't you come back to church? Where have you been? I was like, kind of terrified, to be honest. But he was awesome. He just loved on me, just kind, asked me how I was doing, talked about sports, and that was it. I remember my dad saying to me afterwards, he was like, so, you're gonna go back to church? I was like, no. But uh, I might go play mini golf again, that was fun. A little bit later on, I met Shandy, and she was great. She told me about this cake analogy, shared it lots. There was something different about the way that she lived. I remember her dad asked if I was a Christian. I said yes, because I didn't know what that meant. And then she was like, are you, she asked him, or he asked her to ask me if I was saved. I was like, saved, saved from what? And so she's able to share the gospel with me. She invited me to church and I went for like three months. And each Sunday night, I can remember there was this old guy named Les Markham, Pastor Les Markham, who, who would preach. And it was just over time watching just the, the, 
the way that when he prayed, he prayed as if God was real. When he spoke, he spoke as if God was real. Like, like there was something about him. It's like maybe he's not crazy. <laughs> and eventually, I decided, you know what, maybe it's not everybody else in the room that's wrong. <laughs> maybe it's me. So I remember that Sunday going up front to give my heart to the Lord. I remember as I was praying prayers, I didn't really know what that meant. Really, I was thinking the prayers. I was just thinking, God, if you're real, I want to give you my life. And behind me, while I was thinking these thoughts, came, came Bob Hunter. He put his hand on my shoulder. He, I just will never forget it. He was like, son, you can trust Jesus. Jesus is real. And everything I was thinking, he started saying, and I'll never forget what I learned through this process. God used, God used 11 people to get my attention before I became a Christian. You see, that the influence that you have on other people's lives, it's not always like big and glamorous and super sexy. Sometimes it's very subtle, very mundane. It's a smile. It's the way that you treat somebody when they're assuming that they're not going to be welcome. It's the way that you, you show love, the way you model Christ. That preaches so loud. And had those 11 people not been there, I wouldn't be here. I'm so grateful for them. Would you bow your heads with me real quick? I just want to pray. I'm going to pray two prayers. First prayer I want to pray is if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. The whole time I've been talking about sharing your testimony, but you're like, uh, I don't know, I've got nothing to share. What are you talking about? But if the way I talked about Jesus, there was something inside of you that said, you know what, there's something different about him. What is it? That something is Jesus. He, he saved me, transformed the way I saw myself, the way I saw others. He set me free from my own hardship, my own addictions. Like he changed my life and he can change yours too. All you need to do is surrender your heart to him and invite him to be a part of your life, a part of your story. And you'll see beyond just coming to church, you'll see that transformation begin to take place in your life. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would wanna make a commitment to Jesus today, Maybe you need to recommit your life to Jesus today. Can I ask you to slip your hand up real quick? And I'd love to pray for you. Thank you. Yeah, I see your hand. Anybody else? Yeah, I see you. I won't rush this moment. It's powerful. Thank you. Yeah, I see you. Yeah. Let's, let's pray together, okay? If you just raised your hand, pray with me. Everybody else in the room, you can pray with me too, you know. But Jesus, thank you that you're real. Thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for my life. Sorry for the ways I've hurt others, the ways I've hurt you, the ways I've inadvertently hurt myself or even intentionally hurt myself. God, please forgive me. More than that, Show me how to live this life that I live. Show me how to be a Christian. Show me what it means to live a life where you are my Lord and my Savior, where you are my God. Show me what it, what it means to live a life of love and compassion that models you to everybody around me. 
I don't want to just be a better person, God. I want to be a healed and whole person. So Lord, would you heal me? Would you make me whole? Would you help me to hear your voice and see you even in this moment? Jesus, I thank you that you're real. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Why don't you stand with me and we'll pray one last prayer. I want to pray over you. God's got a story. <laughs> the story God is writing through your life is powerful and profound. You could be anywhere in the world and God had you here for this moment. And I believe with everything inside of me. The last week, I thought this message was for last week. But God last week needed to get our attention, kind of whet our appetite for what a testimony could actually look like. For some of you, last week was the reminder that Jesus is real. That, that what we are, that, that who we are worshiping, what we are doing here, actually profoundly matters. And so today, this is, is kind of like the huddle, the pregame huddle before we go out into the field. Okay? Like, like you're getting off the bench and you're jumping into the game. I've been praying for your marriages. I've been praying for your, your, your family lives, your, your housing situations. I've been praying for your faith, your ability to hear God's voice. And I believe that you're ready. Some of you just need to hear that. You're ready. You're ready. Stop, stop thinking that you need to be more prepared in order to tell somebody that you go to church. Like, like you're ready. I remember being freaking out when I was young, when we were young, Chad, and we were trying to figure out if we were ready for kids. Like, you're never ready for kids, right? And you're never fully ready to live out your faith. That's, that's the joy and the curiosity of Christianity. Like, we, we gotta figure it out while we walk. So let me pray for you, and then we're gonna sing, and we'll call it a day. Jesus, thank you for this church. Thank you for what you're doing here. God, we praise you because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God, we praise you because we are imperfect and we know it and you love us anyways. Jesus, I pray for each person that you would help us to see ourselves the way you see us. God, as we leave here, we'd be able to leave here with a confidence knowing that maybe we don't got it all figured out, but in fact, we are, we are, we're ready. We can tell people with pride and with joy and hope in our hearts that Jesus is real impacted our lives. He's doing something in the West Shore and that everybody can be a part of it. God, we thank you for the, the 400 people who call West Shore home. But we thank you, Lord Jesus, in faith for the 80,000 people who are neighbors who need to see you. Where we are there, we get to be your hands and feet. We get to be the ones who model what it looks like to be a Christian. So, Father, use us. Use our neighborhoods. Use our families and use our homes. Use our stories and use our lives as your tools in this community. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's sing together.